Welcome to another episode of Pit Lane Parlay. I am your host, Mike Jokum. Frenchie is here. We're going to recap a decently fun week in Formula One and see where that goes. I guess kind of like we did last time. Oh, we forgot to get a, that trivia question from Sarah. So, Sarah, I'm sorry. We'll do it next week. I don't have any other trivia, nor do I care to find one at this moment. And we're going to blame Cody because he's lazy. So, how are predictions? Driver of the weekend. I think, it, yeah, it was me that had Logan Sargent. Solid Ooh. pick. Did Yeah, did decently well. Williams looks all right this season. Um, fingers crossed for someone who grew up as a Williams fan like I did. He finished 12th, just outside the points, and only, what, two places behind his teammate? And then you had whoever was going to be in the Lance Stroll car. Not a bad pick. No, because Lance Stroll is kind of the talk of the town right now in terms of his recovery, getting back into the car and driving apart from when he almost took out both Aston Martins on the opening lap. It was a solid weekend and finishing sixth when Fernando Alonso is in third. And I think he was like maybe half a second off in qualifying driving that soon back from injury. I got to say, as someone who's very reluctant to give Lance Stroll any credit, he was convincing this weekend, and I respect him a lot more than I did before. Yeah, agreed. That was a gutsy performance, especially when we saw the video of him like in the hospital bed, bed whenever that was on social media this weekend. All right, who was? what's the rest of the predictions? We had a surprise, I guess, of the weekend. Yeah. Um. I'm not sure even I did. I think they're in the same order. I didn't write who said these. So I'm just going to guess that. I said Perez was going to ignore team orders or was that you? Do you remember saying that? What was the other one? Science outperforms Leclerc. I don't remember. OK, well, <laughs> science only outperformed Leclerc because DNF. Ferrari's engine crapped its yep. pants as usual and Perez did not have to do anything for team orders because he was well behind Max Verstappen the entire race. Yeah, that was a swing and a miss by both of us, no matter which, no matter who said what. That was ugly. Yeah. But let me get the last one because we said who's going to make Q3, and I'm pulling up qualifying right now. Okay, so Q3, one of us said Gasly, which I think was me. And I think that was he, me. Oh, okay. I don't know. <laughs> well, if it, if it, I'm glad you're taking this one then because uh, he didn't make it out of Q1. Yep. And That's I right. picked Ocon, who qualified ninth. So he made Q3, and that would be a win for me. No, I think you took Gasly and I had Ocon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember. What'd you think of the race? I'm not sure either. Like as a whole for an opening weekend. Um, it was better than I maybe expected because we knew Red Bull was going to go out there and dominate, and they did. But the Ferrari didn't look as bad or as far off as we thought it did in qualifying, at least. It looked fast over one lap. The race was a different story. 
The Aston Martin, however, was the opposite and yeah. looked not as good as it did right in qualifying. They, he qualified at fifth, Alonso. And where did uh, Lance eighth. qualify? He qualified eighth. Wow, that's not bad. Okay. During the race, they were, I mean, Alonso produced what I thought was the best part of the show, just trying by to far. pass Lewis, um, battling. I don't, he didn't, did he have to, he battled signs a little bit, but I mean, with Russell, like he just had some really good action on track. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think maybe I have to subscribe to one of those F1 data sites to kind of get more insight. And I saw one on Twitter the other day and I, I forgot to subscribe to it, but that Aston Martin, while maybe doesn't have the straight line speed of the top three teams, Alonso handled those corners really well in battle. So I, I wonder if they have a, a good, not necessarily arrow advantage over like a Red Bull, but you know, a, a good arrow base that that they can, you know, handle turns pretty quickly and 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 make up maybe a little bit of time that they lose on the straights. I think the Williams is still the car with the least downforce from what I've heard. Okay. Making that it therefore sense. the fastest one in a straight line. Yeah. So that was helpful in them being able to keep, I think Albon was able to keep Gasly behind him for much longer than he should have. Yeah. But Dan Fallows, who came over from Red Bull to work for Aston Martin, was a protege of Adrian Newey. He worked for Red Bull since I think about 2006. So you're going to learn how Adrian Newey works. We know Adrian Newey is probably the best F1 car designer, aerodynamicist of all time, at least currently. I mean, someone else may dethrone him. There are arguments for other people, but yeah. I mean, he's fantastic. You can't argue that. He's in the top three, top five, whatever. Everyone's saying Aston Martin copied the Red Bull. I may or may not agree. It looks very similar, right? I mean, but there are aspects that we can't see the floor, obviously, which is incredibly important for these cars. But what I will say is, I think they may be judged harshly and potentially accused of copying because of what they did with the uh, pink Mercedes was that in <laughs> 2021. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like you yeah, assume yeah. someone's going to do that again if they've done it before. And they're not afraid to take ideas from other people's cars. But it also might just make sense that obviously the Red Bull is the class of the field. And just convergence towards that concept or that design makes sense. Yeah. So I think it's maybe somewhat of a combination of both of just Dan Fallows, who led that design, worked for Adrian Newey. He understands, I guess, in a similar way you know, how aerodynamics work and car design works. And there's a clear path, obviously, as Mercedes has, sh has shown, there's a correct answer, right? And a wrong answer, at least in a sense. And so I think Aston Martin has gotten closer to the correct answer in their development. Yeah, I don't have anything to add to that. Where should we go next from the race? Um, I think there are a couple things we should talk about. The first is Esteban Ocon's calamitous day of oh. penalties. The first one, 
you know, obviously his fault for lining up in the wrong, you know, a little too forward in the grid is what mm-hmm. it is. I don't know who on the team didn't relay the message. Hey, we have a five second penalty because you can clearly see as soon as his car is on the jacks, they're messing with the pins to get the front wing out of the car. So like, you can't blame him for that. Like Mm-mm. it sucks, but like, you know, then he's stressed and he gets the five second speeding penalty for when he's, when he's going in there, that's his fault. But also like, I don't want to say it's forgivable, but like the team just screwed him out of 10 seconds. Like, I get, I get that one. Even if I, you know, you know, even if I think he's a slimy little bee, <laughs> I still, you know, I don't blame him that much. I don't remember what his failure was. Do you? Who? His mechanical failure? Oh, I have he, no he idea. He retired on lap 41. I wasn't, I, I stopped paying attention when he was laps down to, to what it was yeah. going on. Okay, well, I don't know, but anyway, um, apparently his his record of penalties <laughs> now matches uh, Pastor Maldonado's oh, record, no. right? Oh. So they're they're together <laughs> oh. on on basically the amount of penalties given to an individual driver during a race, and Pastor had that record since the 2015 Spanish Grand Prix. So, <laughs> yikes. Not yeah. an honor you want. Yeah. God damn. Yeah. I, I must kind of feel for him. Like it's one of those weekends where you net like, you know, you look back at the season at the end and he's going to want to totally block that out. So yeah. Anyway, let's keep going. Okay. I guess I'd say the next thing we should probably talk about is that the Williams and the Alfa Romeos looked not half bad. Yes, I I agree. I think they both, I think Williams outperformed what I expected kind of by a couple spots, not by like anything crazy or whatever, but both of the guys had, had pretty good days and Alfa Romeo is essentially where I expected them to be. Not, not too bad. Yeah. I mean, just, they're doing better than McLaren and Alpha Tauri and Haas right now. So you can't you can't be that mad about it. Hopefully this will be the way things go for the rest of the season because I like the shakeup. It's interesting. I mean, it doesn't make sense because this is the second year of a formula of, of regulations and teams should theoretically be making upward progress on their previous position in the championship, but that's not exactly what we're seeing. And I like the unpredictability that will make F1 a bit more interesting. Yeah, I agree with that. Are we missing anything? Oh, do we have to talk about Ferrari? Can we just say like the moment that the article came out that Ferrari was changing their energy store and control electronics unit in, in Leclerc's car one of which I I think it's the control piece. You only get two of those a year. So after not even into one race, we're already through. We're already on the second one. It just leaves me feeling like while they'll have their moments this year and finish third in the constructors, or maybe second in the constructors. Sorry, who knows? That we're not. Nothing is really changing at Ferrari. No, 
unfortunately, I don't think that all of that optimistic talk about how we had to turn down the engine for reliability purposes. So we made these reliability tweaks and now we have 30 extra horsepower. So we're Ferrari and we're going to challenge for the championship. No, the reliability <laughs> still is the still. Same. Yeah. And unfortunately, that's the same thing. And I just said, unfortunately, like five times, because that's the word that I think would sum up Ferrari, just the mood. But their road cars aren't necessarily known for being reliable and easy to repair. Sure. So this doesn't look good. It's just kind <laughs> of a, a stereotype, right? About the Italian Alfa Romeo is known for the same thing. You know, just the Italian reliability of like, they're beautiful and they sound great and they are amazing performance cars that are full of emotion, but they'll break down every chance that they get. Yeah. Yeah. Very well said. All right. So looking decent. Other than that, I don't think we're missing too much. What are you laughing at? McLaren. I want oh, to discuss okay. them. Yeah, go ahead. You bring it up. So I wrote a blog that kind of relates to this discussion that I guess if you're interested, you should go take a look at. But McLaren's kind of had this, I don't want to say Williams-esque, but they've been on this downward trajectory. And at last season, looked like they were starting to reverse that because they finished fourth in the Constructors' Championship. But this was a really terrible weekend. I mean, this was miserable for anyone who's a McLaren fan. And I think most F1 fans have at least some love. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hit Pass Moto, sponsored by Moto America, is the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. From candid interviews with the top names in racing to providing insights into the trends and trendsetters driving the motorcycle industry, we have you covered. New episodes are available every Thursday at pitpassmoto.com and on your favorite podcast app. Right on. For McLaren, just given, I mean, they're the second winningest constructor behind Ferrari. They're, they're a really historic name. This is the 60th year our 60th anniversary of the team, it's famous. And to watch them finish 17th and retire on lap 13 with Oscar Piastri, we got two situations that I kind of want to touch on here. Is number one, if you're Oscar Piastri, did you just have a panic attack that you made the worst decision by burning a bridge with Alpine? 100% case closed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Oh man, yeah this this could be one of the epic in a bad way. Yeah, exactly. It could end up being, and I think Mark Weber is his manager. Mark, what are you doing, bro? 
no one could have predicted this with McLaren, right? Sure. Necessarily. But that doesn't mean that it's going to look like a good decision if this is the way that things go for them. Okay, so related to that, you're Lando. You have an $80 million contract. I think he's getting paid $20 million a year. You are viewed as, like him or love him, viewed as one of the, I don't know, up-and-coming superstars of the sport that everyone seems to think should have already won a Grand Prix and would have if it was just based on driving talent. McLaren has been essentially failing you for your entire F1 career, I would argue. I mean, giving you cars that are close but are just really not getting there. How long can you stick with them before you start to consider other options? I mean, we know what Zach Brown's view of contracts <laughs> is. So, I mean, in my blog, I kind of write about what he should consider. And given how highly respected he is in the paddock, or how well-respected he is in the paddock, should he start looking now before basically he goes on a Daniel Ricardo trajectory and people kind of write him off? So I, well, we know what Zach Brown thinks about contracts being that he's a McLaren driver and not another team driver. Zach Brown might yeah, have yeah. A, a different point, yeah. but uh, that being said, I don't know, you know, over the next couple of years, there's not a ton of like obvious openings right now, unless he, unless he can agree that when Lewis does retire, he's like, hey, i Mercedes driver. Let me, you know, I drove the engine. Let me drive for Mercedes. And or Red Bull. Would... Or Red Bull. Yeah, either way. At the end of 2024, right. Perez's and... contract is up. But that's a year early for him. Yeah, so I think it's too early to look this year just because I don't think it would be good personally for him. I think he'll just end up pissing a lot of people off in the paddock. He's like, hey... I'm up for a contract in three years. Can you do something about it? And nobody nobody in racing can project a year from now, let alone three years from now. So I think right now he needs to find a way to put on a brave face because he's stuck and there's ain't nothing you can do but collect that paycheck. So hopefully the paycheck helps because <laughs> that's all he's that's the only points he's getting this year. I actually disagree, but not necessarily for reasons that make a ton of sense, I guess. He's Lando Norris. So I think if he says, I'm available in three years, there's somebody who's willing to sit down and talk to him because of his reputation. So I don't think it hurts to put your feelers out and do that thing where you basically come to your current job and say, hey, I've got this offer. What can you do for me? I mean, if you're going to be driving around in a piece of garbage car that looks like it came from William's old whittling shed, then at least get paid for it. Use some leverage. I mean, he's the one that should be in the position of power, right? Or he should treat it that way, I think, rather than kind of sit there and basically try to grin and bear it, which is probably the right thing to do. But given that we're talking about the F1 paddock and loyalty doesn't really exist, and neither does kind of human decency in a lot of yeah <laughs> instances. Yeah. I think he should just be selfish, and I think he is a selfish person, to be honest. It, they all are. Yep. But Lando is particularly selfish, in my opinion, along with some others. 
and I hopefully just pissed off a lot of Lando fans, even though I wasn't trying to. No, I mean, you're not wrong. I, I, I do agree. It's it's a good point. Hard to super argue with that. I guess at this point, I super w- argue. <laughs> w- Williams has been replaced in the woodshop by McLaren, except McLaren can't be in a woodshop. We need a new joke. Like maybe we can go with the Legos joke like we did, quote unquote, yesterday in IndyCar. So I think there was a Lego McLaren. Like that there was a thing a they actually McLaren. did. Yeah. Yeah. Lego needs to get those car parts in, in better aerodynamic shape and stuff like that. So it's it's I just I think McLaren is in for a really tough year. And I wonder if the next couple races are pretty bad. I know they say they're gonna bring updates in a couple races, but mm-hmm. Baku. The doom and gloom behind McLaren preseason testing was a lot different this year than last year. It was a lot of like, not like "Mm, we're going to have a bad opening race because our brakes aren't working right to like total doom and gloom. Everything you hear is not good. I don't see how they finish above eighth or ninth in the standings this year. So, you know, maybe if these Baku updates don't work, you just go screw it. Let's pull a Haas and put all of our development to next year. You know, let's just totally let's punt on the year. And maybe you tell Lando, Hey, we're punting on this year. It's going to suck. But, you know, here's what we're thinking for next year. Like almost like treat him like more than just a driver to just like kind of show like, hey, we're trying here. And I know I'm yeah, yeah. grasping at straws, but that's what I would do if I was Zach Brown. Obviously, no, I I'm like not. that. Because they're they should treat it like they're building their team around him, because that seems like what they've done with regard to the contracts that they've signed with him. Yeah. So you've got to treat him like he's your max. Because when I think about it, I I think I wrote in the blog, could he go to Red Bull? And I don't see it. Because I don't see Max. Max is like an Ayrton Senna where he's not going to let anybody who threatens him get anywhere close to that second seat. He wants somebody who's a Botas, who's a Perez, (laughs) right? Who can win, pick up the pieces. But is essentially, I mean, I would argue that Botas is way more of a pushover than Perez. But still, I mean, mm-hmm. is a pushover like an Eddie Irvine, right? He knows his place. Yeah, he's the second fiddle, but he's okay with it, rather than like a Rubens Barrichello who thinks they can challenge for it. Yep. But could he go to Ferrari? But would that even make sense? Like, is that even a logical approach? Given you might just be putting yourself in the same exact place, you have to wait for Mercedes then, right? Yeah. I mean, no offense to Ferrari. Driving Ferrari for Ferrari is obviously like an epic thing to say. But at this point, I want to go to Ferrari if I'm going to contend for a championship. And I sure shit am not contending for a championship at the rate they're going. Mm-hmm. Well, the Mercedes looks like crap right now, too. So what? Uh-huh, I don't know. Uh-huh. What are his options? That's This is the problem. I don't know who manages him, if he has a manager. But whoever that person is, is probably ripping their hair out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Do we have anything else? Yeah, the last thing is, or there's two things. One is just a quick mention that Kimi Raikkonen is going to return to NASCAR competition. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So maybe some F1 fans will want to tune into that. I think I will actually tune into the NASCAR race at Coda. Yep, because obviously we're looking at a track that he's won at. I mean, obviously it does not translate between a Ferrari F1 car and a track house what are they at chevy yeah chevy camaro nascar yeah but you know 
he drove in trucks. He was pretty good in trucks. He didn't really get the chance to compete in the race that he did last season, which I don't yeah. remember. Was it Watkins Glen? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully this goes better for him. I'm looking forward to seeing that. But the last thing to close out the episode is the news that we heard that Lewis Hamilton said that Mercedes did not listen to him in their development of the W14 and that he knows what the car needs. And let me just read some of his quotes because yeah, go ahead. this goes, I think, beyond the fact that he made this public is very interesting to me. So he says, last year, I told them the issues that are with the car. Like I've driven so many cars in my life, so I know what a car needs. I know what a car doesn't need. And I think it's really about accountability. It's about owning up and saying, yeah, you know what? We didn't listen to you. It's not where it needs to be. And we've got to work. We've got to look into the balance through the corners, look at all the weak points and just huddle up as a team. That's what we do. We're still multi-world champions. You know, it's just that they haven't got it right this time. They didn't get it right last year, but it doesn't mean we can't get it right moving forwards. Yikes. And I, I'm not saying this is like going to make Lewis like get a new team when his contract's up, but also how do you not listen to Lewis Hamilton? I know. But so who do they listen to then? Themselves? Clearly. I guess, yeah, just the engineers instead. They didn't let him have any after all the guy has done for you, right? <laughs> and done with you, like you're yep. a team with Lewis Hamilton. Yep. That's like, this is the equivalent and people are going to get upset by this, but I'm happy to, I guess, do another controversial take because Bring for some in. reason people like to argue about this. That's like if Ferrari basically said, oh, Michael Schumacher, you don't know what you're talking about. We're just going to develop the car without you and not listen to anything you say. No. How many championships did this person win for you and races? Make the car how they want to drive it. I mean, yes, Lewis is not an engineer. But I think he's earned himself uh, the ability to give a significant amount of input into car design and what he wants from a car. 100% agreed. I think we should just leave it at that. I didn't see, I don't remember who was in first, but thank you to everybody who signed up for the Grid oh. Rival Fantasy League. There are roughly 80 to 100 of you at the last time I checked on Sunday. I think I'm just outside the top 10 or just Let me pull the it top up 10 and just see real quick. I'm in the eight to 14th range. I think I had a good weekend. So uh, I hope I'm saying this right, but Toma or Tama booty <laughs> is in first place. I shouldn't be laughing. Um, <laughs> you're ninth actually okay. mm -hmm. with, a little under 30 points less than um, yeah. Tama Booty in first. And then where am I? I thought you were in the 20s. Oh, really? <laughs> Darn it. Okay, I'm looking. Did you find it? Nope. Uh-oh. I must be lower than that somehow. Hold on. Oh, I'm 40th. Yeah. Ouch. You know who helped me out with that one? Charles Leclerc. Leclerc. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I was trying to remember. Thank your you, team. Ferrari. Yikes. Well, we'll wrap it there. Again, check out the blog. Check out everything Frenchie wrote. It's fantastic. I haven't looked at it yet, but I'm sure it's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm probably not going to look at it next half hour either. But NASCAR is this weekend. If that's your thing, 
go watch it. Or but Kimmy's not in the race, so Kimmy's eh. not in the race. So yeah, you know, it is what it is. Everybody have a lovely weekend of racing. Goodbye. I'm Bruce Martin, host of Pit Pass Indy. Each week, I go behind the scenes of the NTT IndyCar Series and introduce our listeners to the biggest stars of IndyCar, which features the Indianapolis 500 as its cornerstone event. The men and women that compete in IndyCar may be the bravest athletes in all of sport as danger lurks around every corner. They are able to look danger in the eye without flinching. That is why the NTT IndyCar Series features the best racing on the planet. Join me every week as we talk to the stars of IndyCar, including the legends of the Indianapolis 500 on Pit Pass Indy from Evergreen Podcast. 